1: This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Look, setting the pace with Alex and Foxy. Alex and Foxy, Alex and Alex. And. If I put our Jackson in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? We can go head to head top three call us top three look at the switch from buddy here not that boy got three we got highly put run the point this is a benedict for the shot. if anybody going to come in the post then we got Miles Turner for the block. setting the pace going to the top setting the pace going to the top this is your number
0: 1 podcast sleeping every team we going need a mop
1: all right everybody what's going on welcome back to another episode here of setting the pace your Goji to Pacers podcast i'm your host Alex Golden the Indiana Pacers lose by 11 points to the red-hot Philadelphia 76ers, who get their eighth straight victory in a row. Here to talk to me about this 137-126 loss is the great birthday boy week, Michael J. Focci. Focci, how's it going, man? The week is upon us, and uh, you know, I, I think there's going to be
2: better highlights in the week than tonight. Here's the thing: I'm not mad, I'm not sad, hurt, embarrassed, or anything like that with this loss. Philadelphia 76ers are playing some really, really good basketball. And I thought the Pacers showed some heart tonight because this one looked ugly in the first quarter, and it could have gotten way worse from there. Pacers managed to crawl all the way back. Take that lead, which surprised me. But in the end, hey, it's it's too much um, because, hey, Philly, they got Embiid, the reigning MVP, and they got a star in the making in Tyrese Maxey, who's fantastic tonight.
1: Yeah, star in the making is one way to put it. When a guy drops 50 points on the Pacers, that's back-to-back games of Pacers are giving up 50 points to another opponent. Not a great, you know, not a great thing to see. But if, if you look at it from this perspective, aside from him beating Maxi, you know, they had 87 of the 137 for Philadelphia. I thought Indiana did a good job limiting their role players. There were some guys like, I felt like Batum hit some tough shots. I felt like there's other guys like Melton hit some tough shots. Tobias Harris had an okay game, but he scored under his average, I believe. So to me, it was one of those games where the Pacers really just struggled defensively to stop Tyrese Maxey. I don't really know what the correct, you know, defensive response is to that when the guy is hitting step back threes and just pretty much everything he threw up was going in. I mean, he's just having an incredible start to the season. And Joel Embiid, you know, he didn't have to do as much because Maxi was so, so dominant, but even Joel was dominant in his own way. And this is just one of those matchups for the Pacers that it's never been good since I've had Embiid. And I, I will say this, I want to give Miles Turner some credit tonight because I felt like after the first quarter, I would say he really did change the style in which he played. He came out strong in that third quarter and I thought he had some really nice moments. The officiating was questionable all night. It felt like the Pacers were not getting the 50-50 calls when it came to fouls, but I don't think that's why we lost the game. They were just that much better with those two guys leading the way.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, we talked about those two guys shouldered the load for Philly, and you never want one guy to beat us. That nearly happened against Milwaukee, but kind of showed that it's hard for one guy to really beat a team in the NBA, but two can very well happen. That's Mm -hmm. what we saw tonight. Here's the thing. Embiid had 26 at halftime. Yeah, uh, Maxie was right around there at 25. So Embiid yeah, finishes with 37. But, you know, I yeah, Turner did do a better job in the second half. And Turner got it going that third quarter, which was which was a big quarter for the Pacers. But overall, in my opinion, why we lost this game is the 76ers grabbed 22 more rebounds, which led yeah. to 15 more shots attempted. And if you want to break it down even further, they had a 23 to 8 advantage on the offensive glass. That yeah. is huge. I don't know who you can beat if you're being out-rebounded by 22.
1: It was kind of weird because it was 22-7 to seven when I looked at it, and then the Sixers got two offensive rebounds on the same possession, but they didn't count one, I guess. Not sure what happened there, so I thought they had 24, but still 15 extra possessions on the offensive side of things. Seriously. I mean, that's that's the difference in the game. You know, three-pointer wise, Indiana ended up having two more than Philly. Um, free throw wise, it was only 16-17, to 17, so it wasn't a big difference there, but You know, the Pacers did all right scoring in the paint. They had 58 points. They didn't get obliterated. They got outscored by 12 points in the paint, but that's not that. I mean, that's pretty good to me considering who they were playing against. So 70 points in the paint, I don't know if that's too high or not, but it's just like when you got Embiid, when you got guys, that. I mean, their length was huge tonight. I felt like Philadelphia's length about the Pacers a little bit, but what I thought really changed the game for the Pacers was number one, the speed in which they started playing with after like the first eight minutes. And then TJ McConnell coming into the game in the second quarter, Indiana really was struggling with that bench unit. Nimhart had three straight turnovers to start his time in the game. They put in TJ McConnell and TJ McConnell really just gave this team a spark that it needed. Finished the game as a plus 10. He was plus 16 by the end of the third quarter. And then he was out there for a little bit of a, a Philly run that, you know, kind of damaged his plus 16 to a plus 10. But still, for him to be a plus 10 in 17 minutes, that tells you, like, how impactful McConnell was in this game.
2: Still is. I mean, he still got it. Three steals, eight points, out a block. I mean, it's just <laughs> McConnell, it, it, he, he's he's a spark plug. I mean, at one point, he was getting down low trying to, you know, knock the ball out of Embiid's hands. It's just he's pesky. It's, it's what he does. But, yeah, I just thought for tonight – you don't want to say like, oh, you know what? We, we let one go. We, we had a lead in the fourth. It's like, this is a Philly team that just beat Boston about a week ago. Boston beat us by 51. So I thought the Pacers played Philly. I'm not going to say played them well. I think they, they played them pretty rough in the beginning of the game. And then they, by the time they, they really caught up, I mean, if you take out that first quarter, I think the Pacers really played a good game. Mm-hmm. But obviously basketball is, is four quarters. A few other stats in this, second chance points. I mean, Philly outscored the Pacers 30 to 10. Fast break points 18 to 5. So I just felt like they had those type of advantages, despite the Pacers shooting well from three. The free throw, you know, uh battle was very similar, like you said. Another thing, just I mean, look at this. Our starting five had sixteen rebounds and beat had thirteen. That can't happen. One man can't almost out rebound your whole starting five. So you know, it's, it starts with, you know, I don't say it starts with crashing the glass, but against a team like Philly, you got to be, you can't give them extra opportunities because they made the Pacers pay for it.
1: No, they did. I mean, they were just active. And like I said, their length really bothered the Pacers, and the Pacers were kind of in scramble mode. I think that's what allowed them to get more offensive rebounds is because with Maxi being hot, they were paying extra attention to him. And then you got uh, Joel Embiid. Being Joel Embiid, you got to pay extra attention to him which allows for other guys to have opportunities to get involved in the game, whether it's being effective on the glass or getting open looks or or, or whatnot. That's where it kind of came down to me. But I, I got to say, I love the Pacers fight in this game. I'm not trying to sit here and be a homer or anything like that. But to lose this game by 11, yeah, Philly ended up pulling it out. But this Pacers team was down big early. They clawed their way back. And like you said, they got a one-point lead in the fourth quarter. Like this team was not going away. And you really have to think about it. Philadelphia probably had to play one of their best games of the season from Maxi and Embiid to put this Pacers team away. I I don't think that this game is going to be anywhere close to uh, a blowout by Philly Uh, on Tuesday. I think this is going to be another dogfight. And if you're a Pacer fan right now, I would say this. Your team is 6-4. and This was a game against one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, actually the best team in the Eastern Conference right now and they gave them a run for their money there for a little bit. You have to feel confident about the direction this Pacers team is heading for the way they performed in this game. I mean, yeah, defensively, they're going to have to get better. We know that this defense is not great, but overall, they're not afraid of anybody, and their depth is their strength because if you can pull, we've talked about it, if if Rick Carlisle can get, pull in his back pocket at T.J. McConnell and T.J. McConnell can go out there and be a plus 10 for a game like this when you need someone that knows the Philly environment knows this team like the back of their hand, that's just an added bonus. This Pacers team will get better. They'll continue to improve and I I don't know. I just I don't feel bad about this game like you said. I just feel pretty yeah. solid about where this team is heading based on how they started the game out and how they were able to just claw their way back into it.
2: Yeah, there was that moment where the Pacers were down, you know, it was I think they were down as much as 19 points at yeah. one point. I mean, it was it was getting ugly. And I just went, "All right, you know, we, we could see the, the, the difference in, you know, the upper echelon of the East and then where we're at in that, you know, three, four spot. There's a big difference between Boston, Philly, then us. And then for the Pacers to fight, and, and I don't want, I'm not going to say nearly pull one out, but having a lead in the fourth quarter because that, that lead was at like the 10 45 mark. So it's not like this was, you know, they let one slip in the final minute or so. It showed me enough to be like, okay, great. We're going to play them on Tuesday, just like you mentioned. I'd I'd have a big problem if Maxie drops fifty on us again. Mm-hmm. So I, I think now they'll make adjustments. That's one of the perks of being able to play a team again in such a short span. Hey, get a little bit of rest, but at the same point, you're gonna you're gonna see them. You know some adjustments to make, and, and I think that you know right now you're gonna get a better game out of uh, Benedict Mather and Andrew Nemhard. I, I think that those two, you know, it, they had they had rough showings today. I, I think that I mean what. A- answer you're really going to have for a guy like Tyrese Maxey who tonight let's just not let's not just say this was a, a good night this was his best game in NBA this was a career high yeah you know by all means this might have been the best game that he has played in his career mm-hmm. and you know he'll have plenty of other games but I don't think he's going to drop another 50 ball on us so I mean Alex what are you really looking for if we're going to make some adjustments maybe for the next game
1: yeah I mean I think they got to just Consider double teaming him, trapping him, getting the ball out of his hands, paying more attention to detail with him. Like he shot the ball incredibly well from three. I think he was seven of 11 tonight. So just like yeah. incredible shooting for him. Look, guys are going to get hot sometimes. And I mean, the step back that he had on Ben Matherin in the second quarter was just like, okay. And I think even Quinn Buckner was like, when a guy's making shots like that, you know, all you can do is shake his hand and keep moving because that's a great shot. I mean, he was just feeling it tonight. I, I think that if they're able to find a way to kind of double team him and one thing I didn't like, I think it was Bruce Brown like left Maxi to like help double team and beat or something like that. You can't leave Maxi to double team and beat. You have to find somebody else to leave and help double team and beat. It was just one play that stood out to me on that one. But it's like Embiid's gonna be good what he does, but he's like a slower-paced guy. I, I honestly think like when it comes to Maxi. You just got to stay in front of him, hope he misses shots. And maybe you do throw some double teams at him, throw some traps at him, just try to get the ball out of his hands a little bit. Maybe a guard him full court to wear him out a little bit more, kind of like how we saw Milwaukee try to do that to Indiana in the second and third quarters on that game Thursday night. But I think with Embiid, like, you know, Miles Miles is not as big as Embiid. So Embiid's going to bully him down low. But I think that Miles did a pretty good job of drawing him out to the three-point line on the other side of the basketball. And when the Pacers started playing with a much faster pace once McConnell came in the game, That's when I think it sped up the 76ers and got them kind of out of their rhythm. You know, the the Sixers ended up going to a 2-3 zone, trying to slow Indiana down because Indiana was getting out and running so well. So I think you'll probably see a little bit more of that from Philadelphia trying to slow Indiana's offense down because we are an offensive powerhouse. Everybody knows that about us. So I would just say continue to make these guys work on the defensive end because, look, Joel Embiid likes to drop a lot, and this Pacers team like to shoot a lot of threes. So if I'm Tyrese Halliburton, I'm trying to run a little bit more pick-and-roll or pick-and-pop with whoever Embiid is guarding. That way I can kind of take him, take advantage of him and wear him out a little bit more by putting him in more actions. I, I think that's a smart way to do it. I think I'll be topping, told Jeremiah Johnson before the game, like, yeah, you got to be physical with him. But I also think just constantly putting him in pick-and-roll action, it, it's going to put him in a spot where he's either going to have to step up, where Tyrese can go around him, or, you know, if he drops, Tyrese can shoot threes over him because he's got the space. So I think that they need to do a little bit better job of attacking him on that end and wearing him out so he's not as effective on the offensive end.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, look, anytime you can wear him out, that that would be awesome. I, I think that, hey, Embiid, someone who's had the Pacers number for for years, I think that that's it's like the guy over the last, I don't know, five years or so. That I think that when you're playing the 76ers, you go, okay, Joel Embiid, man, and, and, and Turner. To your point, he did everything he could, but it's just like Embiid is just such a force down there that mm-hmm. like it was getting physical. He's, I mean, he, he's, he's, I mean, eight offensive rebounds, eight. Uh, you know, no, no knock on Turner at all because Turner's been awesome yeah. this year. to finish the game with five total rebounds. Mm-hmm. Embiid had eight on the offensive side alone. So mm-hmm. I don't know who there, there's no one one on one that's going to stop Embiid, and when I say stop, I mean you know. <laughs> Even holding them below 25 would be really impressive. But Mm. he finishes this game at 37. And for Halliburton, I I think we're going to need a pretty aggressive Tyrese Halliburton. I think Halliburton, 17 assists tonight to zero turnovers. I think it really gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah. How unbelievable that is. I mean, wow. But just, just 14 shots. He made nine of them. So, 9 and 14, obviously on on the box score, that's fantastic. 25 and 17 out of your point guard. That's incredible. But you look on the other side of things, Tyrese Maxey gets up 32 shots. So, it's more than double what Halliburton got up. So, we might need Halliburton to be pushing perhaps a little bit closer to maybe 20 shots next game against Philly.
1: Yeah. But you got to realize the 17 assists probably does balance that out a little bit. You know what I mean? Yep. Getting other guys involved, finding guys yeah, in the no right important. spots. I mean, 17 assists is is, – that's
2: got to be the most in the NBA this year, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I haven't looked
2: at it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'd be surprised if someone had more than 17. It just stinks when, like, that type of stat line gets lost in the shuffle because it is a loss to Philly. Instead of highlighting, look what Halliburton did, 25 and 17 to zero turnovers. Like, it's brilliant.
1: Yeah, and if you look at it this way, like, even if everything that he assisted to was a two, which we know was not the case, that's 34 points that were added because of Halliburton's passing at minimum. So you add those 34 points to the 25 that he scored, that's 59 points. Now Mm -hmm. I guarantee some of those are three pointers. So you're looking at maybe, you know, 65 plus, probably 65 65 to 75 points. Yeah. Yeah. That Tyrese Halliburton was responsible for, for the Pacers with what they scored. So it's just like, it's an, it's an egregious number. Like when you look at it and like you said, it does get lost in the shuffle, unfortunately, because it was a loss and, Halliburton was kind of quiet early on, and then he kind of came to life in that second quarter, third quarter. So it's just tough because Tyrese Halliburton's so good that when you see him play, sometimes you just kind of expect that. Like, not saying 17 assists is normal, but it's not out of the, it's not abnormal for him to put up 17 assists. So Tyrese Halliburton, special player. We know that for a fact. But I, I think there's a case you could make that both the Tyrese's should be the starting 1-2 for the Eastern Conference right now.
2: Yeah, that would be awesome. And I think it's like the the common thing. I, two people tweeted at me like, you got the wrong Tyrese. It's like, I'm happy with my Tyrese. All right. I, I, I like mine very They're much. both good. They're both very good. And, and that's fine. That's great. There's allowed to be more than one Tyrese that's very talented, you know, in the NBA. Uh, for Maxi, I think he's probably the guy that benefits the most of, like, why you move on from a James Harden because it's like, now Tyrese Maxi can absolutely blossom. He's headed towards a max contract. Great for, for him. Man, Philly, it's almost like we would have been better served if James Harden was still on that team. You know, because look at the Clippers right now. I think
1: they're
2: 0-4. 0-4 with Harden. Like, he airballed a clutch shot tonight, and it's just like, just his, like, the energy that he was bringing was just off, you know, for, for the Sixers. I know when he was on the bench, I think that was the game that they lost, when we 0-1 or whatever it was. Maybe he didn't show up for that game. So, regardless, Philly is, is in a good spot. Um, but I think for the Pacers, we're also in a good spot. And I, yeah. and I don't want to dwell on this. This is not by any means in that category of like losing a Charlotte or Chicago. Oh, no. It's, you played a Philly team really good for, you know, a, a decent chunk of the game. And I'm very excited to see what we do having making those adjustments. Could we, A, squeak one out? B, could this be a game that comes down to the final minute or two instead of, you know, really like outside of the, the, the 1045 mark when we took the lead? I mean, after that, I, I feel like it was hard to even get it within five.
1: Yeah, they went back and got a quick 5-0 run immediately after that. They hit a 2 and then a 3 by Patrick Beverly in front of the Pacers bench, and it was like, man, every bit of momentum that we just got there felt like it was just sucked right out of us. But you're right about James Harden. I mean, I I think with Philadelphia, this was more of an addition by subtraction Mm -hmm. by being able to get competent role players like a Robert Covington, like a Nicholas Batum with this young group of Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid because I think the NBA, while we're used to seeing big threes for a while now, it's kind of gone down to like you know, dynamic duos across the league with, you know, really good role players sprinkled in there. So I do think that Tyrese Maxey is going to be unlocked quite a bit this year without okay. James Harden kind of holding them back by being more of a ball dominant guard. So, you know, James Harden, I don't want to knock him too much. I mean, everybody's knocking him right now. It's the easy. I it's the easy thing to do with him. but yeah, I mean, I, I do think that there are flaws in the style that he does play and Tyrese Maxey is a young player that's ready to prove to the world that he belongs. And he's trying to put his, you know, stamp of approval on the NBA uh, critics. So he wants he wants their stamp of approval is what I'm trying to say. So um, quick note here for you, Faji, from StatMuse. Most games with 15 assists and zero turnovers over the last five season. Over the last five seasons. Halliburton, number one with four. Number two, Chris Paul with three. Nobody else has done it multiple times.
2: I mean, look at that category because it's like, couple of years ago we talked about how do we find our chris paul if not could we even get chris paul i remember we were talking about those scenarios i mean this might have been four or five years ago but it's just like like chris paul over the last 20 years is like the gold standard of what you're looking for in a point guard not a a scoring guard who's gonna you know someone who's gonna give you 20 points but like someone who's really going to facilitate the whole entire offense and i think that tyrese Halburn, you could probably make a whole argument that Tyrese is the Chris Paul of like 2020 and on, like like that that decade or the next generation or anything of that sort. And, uh, I mean, I love it because this is a, a taller Chris Paul, uh, a really good shooter, one who I, I think that is vision. I mean, you can even, I don't want to say better by any means because Chris Paul is a Hall of Famer. It's just yeah. a great category to be in when you compare those two in any
1: situation. For sure, for sure. Yeah. So this was a tough one, like you said, but I, I do want to give one more shout out to Like, because I feel like his play was a little bit lost in the shuffle. I thought Obi Toppin looked pretty good tonight, Fachi. He, he had some nice plays. Like it wasn't anything that like stood off the page, but like started the game off with the alley Oop dunk. It was a bad pass by Bruce Brown. He was still able to finish it. He had a nice reverse dunk on Joel Embiid that made Sports Center top top 10, probably. I mean, six probably. of seven from the field. And one thing I thought he did a really good job of was defending Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris didn't get going at all. I think he had like 10 points when Obi Toppin uh, before Obi Toppin got subbed out in the third quarter for Aaron Eastman. I don't know if he even went back in the game or not, but I thought he did a good job kind of maintaining him because we've had Obi uh, excuse me, we've had Tobias Harris go off against the Pacers several times because of our lack of power forward depth. I thought Obi Toppin's um athleticism and size was a little bit more of a of a not a struggle but more of a, a good defense against Tobias Harris and what we had seen previously with guys we had thrown at him before. So you know, trying to kind of being able to control him a little bit, holding the sixteen points is pretty good. It's just it like you said, eighty-seven points from from their big two does kind of impact Tobias's overall play. But I just thought Obi had a decent game tonight. Six or seven from the field had some threes, like pretty solid night.
2: No, pretty, pretty solid. One, I guess maybe to play a little devil's advocate, one thing that's kind of annoyed me a little bit is Obi Top in his last three games has two rebounds combined. Yeah. Two in three games. That can't happen. I I think that he's got the size that it's like, I think at minimum, I mean, you you, got to be able to give three rebounds a night. I feel like this this is someone that come into the year we were hoping for, could he push for six rebounds per game? Yeah, You just just can't have nights where you had one or zero rebounds, especially on a night where the Pacers got crushed on the glass. I just feel that, you know, uh, about a week or two ago, Obi had eight rebounds in a game. Mm -hmm. So it's like he can be a better rebounder. So that's something I want to see. And just collectively for this unit, I want to see, you know, more effort on the glass because it it is a little um, inconsistent, I feel like. And on a night like tonight, that was was a major difference. I mean, if the Pacers get out-rebounded by maybe 10, it's a totally different game, you know? But you yeah. get a rebound by over 20 rebounds. You're, you're not beating anybody.
1: Yeah, and to defend Obi Top a little bit, I will say this. Like, yeah, if you go back and watch a Bucks game, he was not very good in that game, got in foul trouble early, Um, was no match for Giannis, obviously. So I just felt like Obi in that game was kind of a wash, and he didn't really even know much about what he did in that game. But I will say in this game tonight, I just don't know if the opportunities were there for him to be impactful rebounding wise, depending on where he was defensively. I would need to go back and really rewatch the minutes he played to see where he was at, to see if he was even in position to really get those rebounds or not. Maybe there were a few times he could have gotten one. Yeah. When you look at a box score, you see one rebound, you're like, yeah, he could do better. But if he's defending Tobias Harris, who's spreading out to the three point line and he's not really crashing the glass, then how much is it like his fault for not being impactful on that side of the ball? So you know, it always does kind of... I
2: hear you. It's just they, like, that was this game, but now we're Yeah, yeah,
1: I'm just saying this game.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: no. You just, I, like I said, and, and he could have just missed some. Like, I, I'm i not saying that I'm totally, like, against what you're saying, but yeah. I'm also just wondering maybe he wasn't in the right spot for that. So uh, any final thoughts on the game, flash
2: My final thoughts are just like... Guys, the sky is not falling. We're going to lose more games. That is a guarantee. We're going to win more games too. That's a guarantee. I don't. It can't just be that if the Pacers don't, you know, rip off like a five to ten game winning streak, you know that there, there's a problem. Start trading. Nope. This was a good test. We need tests. You got There's plenty, plenty uh, tests that we're going to pass. There's tests. Unfortunately, we're going to fail tonight. I'm not. you not calling it a fail. I think yeah. this is probably about as you know B minus C plus. You know, this is like, it showed some good things, some other areas to work on and improve. And I feel that this Pacers team is going to come out. They're going to be looking to rebound and also defend next time because yeah, the 126 points you scored. Cool. You can't give up about 140 in the NBA and expect to win. It's, it's just, yeah, it's not going to happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, they do have to get better defensively. So offensively though, I mean, they still put up a pretty good amount of points despite their first quarter of only 27. So You gotta love that. Now, let me ask you this, Fachi. When is your birthday exactly?
2: November 17th, this Friday.
1: This Friday. Okay. So I know that you're going to be out for a little bit this week, have some busy things going on. Um, So I wanted to go ahead and get you a little early present here for the podcast. Um, You know, everybody likes a traditional birthday song, but I thought I would change it up and give you a special birthday song. I don't know if you want me to save it for Thursday if you want to hear it tonight.
2: Maybe save it for Thursday when it's closer to my birthday. I Give think save feel it more, feel more like my birthday, you know, uh, within 24 hours.
1: All right. Well, the listeners, I'm giving you a tease because I have got a classic song all about Fachi here written. Oh, I worked man. on it today. My wife heard it. She oh, was loving
2: it, man. Um, all right. Wow. Well, you know, I'll just I- say
1: there is a classic commercial jingle that I'm using to sing this song to. So. I'm not going to spoil anything else, but that is the extent of it right there. So you thinking got
2: of on the edge of their seat right now, yeah. this uh, to be continued cliffhanger over here. But everybody, that's why you got to tune in again because Thursday is apparently when this song is going down. If you're if you're not watching on YouTube, Alex has a ear to ear smile right now. So I love you it. Just know that something is up his sleeve, but Oh, yeah. you're gonna have to tune back in to find out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this Tuesday night, I'll be back with a guest. To recap, the Pacers 76ers in-season tournament game, and Ms. spot will be out. And then on Wednesday, Derek Schultz will be making his monthly appearance on the podcast with me to kind of just talk about the Pacers and their first 11 games of the season. And then Facha will be back on Thursday. We'll have our Fan of the Week and then kind of preview the Orlando Magic game and the Pacers' upcoming schedule. And maybe we'll throw something else in there as well just to have some other talking points. You never know what's going to happen throughout the week. But, um, you know, with that being said, I do want to say – it, it it's, shouldn't be remiss that we don't talk about Kelly Oubre. What happened over the weekend? Terrible, just a horrible situation where he was, I think, hit by a, hit by a vehicle, and he'll yeah. be reevaluated in a week. Ho- hopefully, it's not as bad as, you know, maybe they're they were thinking it might be early on, but I don't think he had some like bruised ribs or something broken like that. Ribs. Broken, broken ribs, broken ribs, right?
2: Yeah, and bruises and stuff. I mean, it just yeah. sounds awful. Kelly Oubre, someone who averaged you know about twenty points per game last year. Forced to then sign a, a minimum contract just because there wasn't the, the the type of um you know market interest that maybe he hoped for the market wasn't there and now something like this happens and it's just like it's terrible. Obviously, yeah. if this was anybody, hey, you're wishing for a speedy recovery for him. Obviously, you're you know, this is a Philly team that, that's playing really well. You know, they are they'd be even better with him on the court. We hope he can return to the court soon. But hey, thank God everything's all right.
1: Yeah, statistically, he's been their fourth best player. So definitely. You can't forget that, that he was missed tonight. I mean, he is a very good player, and he's really balled out and done a really good job for Philadelphia. So glad he is okay. Glad it wasn't anything too serious, but hoping that everything, you know, he heals up fast and he's able to get back out on the court because, you know, he's having a good year, and he deserves that opportunity to go out there and earn a bigger paycheck. But, Facci, go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at Pacers
2: Pod S T P. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore facci. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Pod S T P. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them
1: where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com/slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast, where you can find all of our post-game recap videos on there maybe some extra videos as well but we want to thank you all so much for your support subscribe to our youtube channel if you like watching us and make sure you give us a five-star rating and review whether it's on apple or spotify we always uh, appreciate those as the more um, five-star rating and reviews that we get the better it is for people to find us that maybe aren't loyal listeners to setting the pace so that is always a great way to get that out there and I will once again plug the blog the blueandgolden.substack.com. Make sure you guys check that out for my 10 thoughts. I do a game recap pointing out some things maybe I don't bring up here on the podcast as I dive a little bit more into some of the statistical things and just what stood out to me there that I didn't get to on the podcast. So with that being said, Fachi, if you're excited for where the paces are headed and looking for a nice dish, uh, how do you say it again, Fachi? Old dish revenge. Uh, All right, if you're ready for that, religion. best so ah, best served cold. <laughs> Say that one more time, we're butchering this. Revenge is a dish, best served cold. And if you're ready for that, be given to the Philadelphia 76ers on Tuesday night in the end season tournament game number two for the Indiana Pacers. and hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. we gonna need a mop.